Welcome to episode 81 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in 
a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed, but with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 81 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. And how are you today, Jen? Is there anything new in your world? Well, things are going very well. I am. We're start, finally starting to feel like fall around here, which is great. And speaking of saving the day, see what I did there, Jen? I do. We have a super fun, super exciting guest today. This is kind of new territory for our podcast. We're going to take things into a whole new world. We have William Schufelt on the podcast. So William, he's a 23-year-old actor, model, and ketogenic fitness expert. But what many of you guys might actually know him best for is he plays Brody, the Red Power Ranger on Nickelodeon's Power Rangers Ninja Steel. So... This is like super exciting. This is a whole new world for us. Welcome to the podcast, William. Wow. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Um, yeah, they might know me best for that if they happen to be five to 12 years old, but I'm assuming <laughs> most of your listeners, uh, maybe it's background noise during the morning while the kids get ready for school. But um, no, thank you for that introduction. I'm really excited to kind of discuss a few common areas of interest that we have today in terms of nutrition, intermittent fasting. Uh, training, even acting, if we want to get into that. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see where things lead us today. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you on. I It's so funny. So as listeners know, one of my favorite podcasts and, and people is <laughs> Rob Wolf. And I heard your interview on his podcast, and I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. And I was like, we need to get him on our podcast. And then you emailed us. <laughs> about coming on. I was like, this is so perfect. Like, what are the odds? So it was meant to be. So we are so, so excited to have you here. There are just so many things that we can jump into. I guess you and I are sort of similar in, in our similar obsessions and passions as far as acting goes, and then the whole health and fitness world and experimenting with keto and diet and all that stuff. But I guess so to start things off, do you want to just tell listeners a little bit about your background, um, like career-wise, also health-wise, fitness-wise, like what all led to where you are today? Let's see. I guess relevant background information about my life is that, yeah, so I am from a town up in Northern California. Um, grew up there, spent my whole life there. And then I went to college at UC San Diego where I studied economics for three years. Um, it was three great years. Um, there was a huge learning curve and, um, most of the learning was really around life. Um, it was really around goal setting and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I think a lot of people will sometimes commit to trajectories in their life that they're not that passionate about. And I, I just could never get myself to do that. Like I wanted to get out of bed every day, excited, ready to go to work, passionate about what I'm doing. And no matter what I tried with economics, um, 
I didn't have a passion for it. And it was simply a secure career path that interested me to some degree. So eventually I, I really got down to, <laughs> I tried to ask myself the, the deep philosophical questions about life. So I, you know, I got into like, what do I really want to do with my life? If, if I'm looking at it from a deathbed perspective, what would have, you know, given me a very, uh, exciting experience of life. What do I want to contribute to the world? What do I want to do? And I wrote out a whole list of goals, a bunch of things that I wanted to do. Um, and the major goal at the time for me was acting. So I wanted to star on a major TV show. Um, and I really just wanted to get into acting. I'd never acted before in my life. I had no experience. Uh, didn't know anybody, <laughs> had no clue what I was doing. And I always say that I still have no clue what I'm doing, but, um, so so I pursued that, and within a year, the, the goal for myself was to do that within a year. Somehow, um, it was crazy, but somehow within a year, I had booked this role on Power Rangers, and I began acting on the show, and we did that for a year. We put out two seasons, 45 episodes, um, and I have continued to, to act and also to delve into a lot of other areas of interest for myself, um, so most notably uh, in nutrition and health and fitness. So I've began putting out a lot more content related to that as well. Um, and recently I just came out with an eight week carnivore transformation program. So that's something I'm really excited about and that I've been working pretty hard on. And what I include is in there is basically it's, it's kind of what I think we're all trying to explain, which is you don't have to restrict yourself and just beat yourself to a pulp to get into great shape. You can lose weight feel fantastic, you know, be your healthiest self, have tons of energy, um, as long as you have the right approach, the right strategy, the right nutrition. So I've tried to include all of that in my eight-week carnivore program, and it's specifically geared probably towards, you know, young guys and girls who are trying to get really fit, um, guys who are trying to get the muscles popping, stuff like that. So um, yeah, that, that's something I'm excited about and that I've been working on recently. So I know that from your past, um, you had quite a few years as like a strict vegan, for example. And um, I know that you talked about before struggling with different skin issues and gut problems and just trying to find the diet that works. And like, I love what you said about how it doesn't have to be this struggle. Cause I know like for me, how I came to intermittent fasting and paleo, which is what I personally do, and all of those things, is that I was always trying all these crazy fad diets, especially for acting and everything. You know, you feel like you have to maintain this certain image, and so you always need to be on this diet train, and it's just sort of miserable and not effective, and it doesn't give you good energy. And then you, like, realize the importance of food and when you eat and how it can make such a difference. And so, um, so how did that happen for you? Like, did you have like just an epiphany moment about food where you found keto or carnivore or, or fasting or like, how did, how did you come into that? You know, I think, I think it's probably a similar journey to the one you experienced where it was just trial and error, uh, and a whole lot of trial and error. And I mean, I've kind of been self-experimenting with diets and fitness and optimizing my approach since I was 12. So it's been a whole lot of trial and error. And yeah, I would say the experiment that I tried for the longest amount of time was a whole foods, plant-based vegan diet. And I did 
so many iterations of this. Um, you know, I, I tried a fruitarian approach. I, I went with the nutrient density approach. I did Michael Greger's way. I did Dr. Esselstyn's way. I did. Um, I tried, you know, the starch uh, solution. So I really gave a very strong and concerted effort to making this plant-based approach work. And I honestly didn't do it necessarily from a humanitarian point of view. Um, I was really just trying to get healthier and to feel better. And that seemed like the most nutritionally and scientifically sound approach at the time. Now, there comes a point with these experimentations where you just have to be honest with yourself and say, look, this isn't working. You know, I've, I've been trying everything and this is not effective at all. Um, and I finally just reached that point, uh, one season into power Rangers where, you know, we had to get up super early and it's long days on set and, um, it's a rigorous shooting schedule and it's also pretty physically demanding. And I just had to tell myself like, look, you can try to adhere to this diet cause you think it's the right thing to do, but if it's not working for you, it's not working for you. So just be honest, accept it and try something new. And I was kind of scared to try something new cause doing something for four years, you, you really hope it works out, but I finally uh, started doing some more research, and that was where I started to I, – I actually combined intermittent fasting and a ketogenic diet, and I just started to experience amazing results. And um, I've, I'm still pretty much doing a similar approach to that to this day. Yeah, I think that's so important because – we we read things, you know, you read, you were all in. You read all the books about about that lifestyle. You were all in. You you knew the science behind it, but you didn't feel good. Yeah. So, so it all boils down to you've got to learn to listen to your body and what feels good for you. On the flip side, I didn't feel good on a strict keto diet. A um, little bit of background about me. I'm 49 years old, so I, I'm in a, I could be both of your mothers, <laughs> but I feel better with <laughs> – I, I could, I could, but I feel better with um, with less meat and more vegetables. And ke- I tried keto. I same same with you with the um, the vegan. You didn't feel good. I didn't feel good on keto. But you listened to your body and you moved on. And now you, I, it sounds like you feel great. Yeah, no, it's it's been a night and day difference. And I think you have a very fantastic point there. Which um, I, I think it was also interesting with what I was listening to one of your previous previous interviews with Ori Hoffmuckler, but everyone, ultimately you have to figure out what do you want from diet? What are your goals? What sort of lifestyle do you have? And then you have to make your diet and nutrition fit your goals and your lifestyle and your approach. And I used to hate when people would say like, oh, it's what works for you. And I would always be thinking like, no, there has to be one right answer. And unfortunately, you know, there isn't one right answer. Everybody has different life circumstances and different variables. So what I'm trying to do with my eight-week program is I see so many young men um, and young women that are hopping on this flexible dieting approach. Um, And it's pretty much you are restricting your calories. You are pretty much uh, starving yourself and you're eating junk foods. And then when you have the low energy and you have the crashes and your hormones are out of balance, you know, you start to use stimulants to just keep yourself going. And it's such an unhealthy approach. And people are trying all these things to get ripped and to get in shape. But it's almost effortless for me now to stay at a very low body fat percentage to, to keep a good amount of muscle mass on using this, um, this program. So what I've created with that is basically we're combining nutrient density and intermittent fasting. And I think those 
those are probably the two most powerful approaches you can use towards optimizing your body composition. If you're going through these fasted periods where you are really tapping into your body fat, you're going into autophagy, um, and you're really just upregulating your body's fat, fat burning, um, that is amazing. That's that's perfect. You eat you know maybe one to two meals a day, but when you're eating, if you can really emphasize and focus on the most nutrient dense foods, um, that's how you really just keep the energy make the fast easy and keep the muscle mass on. So that's something that I've been trying to spread to a younger crowd who isn't as health conscious. Um, and hopefully that message begins to pick up more steam. I love that so much. I mean, that's basically everything I talk about in my book, what, when wine is the win, which is the fasting to create that fat burning mode. And then the what, which is finding those foods that are nutrient dense that work for you personally. And I agree just to reiterate what you said earlier about the importance of finding what works for you personally. Um, also like my, my theme in life, because I mean, we so want there to be how it would be so easy if there was one right diet, like how easy would that would just be amazing. (laughs) But unfortunately that's not the case. And we all have to find what works for us. And I love what you said about how, if something's not working for you, that it's okay to let it go. You know, like, I think it's so hard because we want things to work so bad. We're like, we'll just stick through this and it'll work eventually. But if it's not working, it it, means it's not working. And so really finding what works seems to be the way to go. Um, So in your program, so you said it combines fasting and then nutrient-rich foods, but then it's also called um, carnivore shredding, right? It's the carnivore shredding ebook. So... Is it, is it the carnivore diet <laughs> or is it, um, what, what, what rendition, because I am so fascinated by the carnivore diet and, um, it seems to be a, a new thing that everybody's talking about, but it sounds like it's not quite straight up carnivore. Is it, or what is it? So basically the carnivore shredding program, I'm trying to incorporate the most nutrient-dense animal foods particularly, and we're basically for eight weeks excluding plant foods. So this isn't, you know, you're not excluding herbs, spices, coffee, tea, things like that. But um, basically vegetable plant foods and carbohydrates are not what you're consuming for these eight weeks. So you're focusing on, I think, red meat, uh, liver, you're focusing on eggs, um, and then there can be some poultry in there, there can be some high fat dairy, but essentially you're, you're trying to combine these very, very nutrient dense animal foods that are very bioavailable, have tons of B vitamins. You're paying attention to your electrolytes. So you're going to be losing body fat at a very fast rate, but you're actually feeling good. And one of the, uh, one of the influences towards this was just remembering the seasonality of plants and how, you know, as you would go into these leaner seasons, um, especially during the winter with certain cultures, you know, they would be eating leaner meats, there was less plant matter, and they would kind of be burning through a lot of their body fat stores throughout the winter. Um, And when I started implementing that sort of approach where it was higher protein, um, and I would restrict some of the carbs and the fats, um, that's really when I would start to lean out. So it's an eight-week program where you do that, and then after the eight weeks, you actually re-implement some of the more beneficial plant foods. So some of the low-sugar fruit, fermented uh, fermented vegetables, um, different leafy greens and cruciferous veggies that you tolerate well, um, but it, it stays pretty low-carb throughout. Um, that's, that's, that's just something that I've 
found works very well for me and, and for most people that try this. You cycle back through the, the periods of adding in the plant foods then. So how long, how long do you add back in those plant foods? Well, that's basically a maintenance approach after you've done eight weeks. Oh, okay. So during the eight weeks, you okay. really just burn off the body fat and you stick to a stricter diet. Um, but after the eight weeks, yes, you can reincorporate some of those foods. And I think that that's just a better long-term approach for people. There's no point in overly restricting yourself and you know maybe setting yourself up for nutrient deficiencies or, or if you can extract nutrients from certain foods, certain plant foods, why not incorporate them? So humans are naturally omnivores and I think it just makes sense. Um, but I do find the carnivorous approach to be amazing for building muscle, burning fat. So that's the eight-week approach. Okay. So yeah, I really like that approach because for listeners who may or may not be familiar with the quote carnivore diet, which is becoming increasingly popular. Um, so it typically is, you know, a, a straight up meat-based approach. Some people do just meat. They don't even do the dairy. It's been made pretty popular recently by Dr. Sean Baker and some others as well. And But the thing is, I think a lot of those communities advocate it for life type thing. Like, you know, like it's like be carnivore for the rest of your life. And so I really like I really like your approach here because you're you're doing the eight weeks, um, trying the carnivore. I think that can be like a really great way to, especially if people are struggling getting on the fat burning train, getting into that fat burning mode. Also doing sort of like a, a reset for digestion because I, I know I know for me I'm often on the struggle bus with digest with digestion and I personally digest meat if it's by itself very well. So I think that's something that could like help me and possibly others. But then I really like how you're bringing back in the plant foods afterwards. So like you said, you know, it's not for life. It's based on seasonality. Um, yeah. And so I'm super excited to hear about that. I've actually been contemplating trying a round of carnivore when it gets quote colder here in LA. So maybe, maybe I'll have to try your program. Do you have, um, do you have girls that do your program or is it mostly mostly guys. Well, one of the things that surprised me was actually the majority of people trying my program are women. I found that really interesting. Um, but yeah, so a lot of women have tried this program and my girlfriend actually uses a similar approach. Um, and it's worked very, very well for her in terms of digestion and fat loss and energy. Uh, mood is also something that I think, um, improves a lot on a carnivore approach and naturally as a boyfriend, I enjoyed that as well. So (laughs) (laughs) that probably helps out. Do you find that people experience major like carb withdrawals in the beginning or do you think going completely cold turkey onto the carnivore helps with that, hurts with that? How can people like get through that transition period? Well, at at the risk of reiterating what a lot of other people say, I think ultimately there is a, a sort of difficult first week. Um, so that can be sort of the first two weeks where most people have, you know, not really existed in ketosis, which is, you know, that fat, fat burning mode. So most people have been eating carbs and burning sugar their entire lives. Uh, so when you go on this carnivore approach, the first two weeks, you are literally building mitochondrial machinery to upregulate your fat burning. So your body is making all these adaptations to burn more fat. Um, and that's going to come with, uh, you know, a couple different issues. And I, I know a lot of your listeners are probably more high level with the nutrition, but just to simplify things. So everyone's on board here. Um, when you're going through this fat adaptation phase where you're getting better at burning fat, um, you will be dropping water weight. You will be losing a lot of electrolytes. So it's important that you have a high quality salt, like a pink Himalayan salt or a Celtic sea salt, 
um, that will actually help you retain these electrolytes. And then the other thing about a carnivore approach is, yes, you're going to be maintaining pretty great uh, electrolyte levels throughout, but I think ancestrally, a lot of humans got their magnesium from water sources. So one of the things that I do recommend on this program supplementing is magnesium. Um, you're not going to find that in great amounts in any animal foods. Um, so I think that that's one of the critical things to just feeling good throughout. But obviously, I recommend coffee as well uh, when you're going throughout the fasting periods. I think coffee is fantastic. And the foods themselves are very, very nutrient-dense. So you will be eating these foods to satiety, and they're very nutrient-dense, You know, whether you're talking about uh, the meat or the eggs or fish. Um, so it's very difficult to overeat these foods. Um, so you're definitely not going to be dealing with, you know, chronic hunger and deprivation. So all of those things combined, the electrolytes, the, the protein, the micronutrients, um, and keeping them all, all in check, I think lead to feeling better, uh, throughout, but yeah, the first week or two weeks can sometimes be difficult for a lot of people. So how does intermittent fasting play into this? Like what regimen do you recommend or what regimen do you actually follow? So the regimen that I actually follow, which I also promote in the program, is basically two meals a day. Um, so in the beginning of the program, I also allow for a snack in between there. But what I do is two meals a day. So in the morning, you know, I get my coffee going. I'll go train fasted. And usually my training consists of uh, zone two cardio as well as weightlifting. And then after that, probably sometime around noon, I'll have my first meal, which is usually pretty high protein. And now uh, it's, it's higher fiber. Um, so I'll eat, you know, different leafy greens and plants. Um, and then my second meal at night is, uh, it's also very high protein as well. So it's a lot of red meat, eggs, things like that. Um, so I've, I've, cycled out of the eight weeks. I'm, I'm like, I'm reincorporating different plant foods, but that's pretty much what I do. It's about two meals a day. I've done one meal a day. Um, I've done, you know, 48 hour fasts and I found that two meals for my activity level and for, for my energy and stress management just works really well for me. One reason we were super excited to have you on is that we get so many questions about exercise, bodybuilding, performance, and pairing that with intermittent fasting. And there's a whole world and a whole community of people who really do that. Um, and obviously it works really, really well for you. I mean, n neither, neither Jen or I are like in really intense bodybuilders, obviously, or anything like that. So we don't have a lot of personal experience on that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, um, just how intermittent fasting can support performance, how it can support muscle mass, training, um, I guess just alleviating people's fears surrounding that. So you find that they, they, they pair well together? They pair extremely well. So intermittent fasting will not impede your workouts. If you're training in a fasted state, you will be fine. You'll get through your workout just fine. I think it'll actually go even better and you'll be bor uh, burning a higher percentage of fat throughout the workout. You will deplete your liver glycogen and you'll just really be burning through your fat stores very well. And you'll also start to deplete muscle glycogen as well. So I do all of my workouts fasted um, and I experience really, really good performance. Now, I think what a lot of, you know, guys in particular are worried about is, you know, am I going to lose my gains if I work out fasted? And that's not really the case. It ultimately depends on what you're eating throughout the day. So if 
if you're consuming enough calories and enough protein and your food is, you know, if you have enough nutrients in your food, you're not going to be losing muscle mass. There, there are tons of studies that show this. Um, and the benefits of fasting, I think, far outweigh any potential downsides about losing muscle mass or, um, you know, if it's going to make you binge eat, things like that. Um, I, I've been doing it for quite a while now, and I actually get the best results when I'm, you know, doing fasted workouts. I've tried eating before a workout, and I really just don't have as great performance in the gym. So, yeah, I, I, honestly, for, for people that are in the bodybuilding community or who are really going for body composition, um, fasted training, especially in the morning, I think is – it's kind of one of the best biohacks that you can possibly do. Um, and your workouts are going to be fantastic. And then if you eat, uh, let's say lunch after your workout, um, a lot of that is going to go to muscle protein, protein synthesis, and it's going to replenish uh, a lot of the stuff that you burn through while you were working out. And so one of the questions we do often get is how soon you need to eat after a workout. So if somebody is working out in the morning, for example, do you think that they need to eat like a lunch at the earliest or can they, what, a, lot, a lot of our listeners do like a one meal a day pattern. So they're eating dinner only at night. If that's the case, do you think that they could still, you know, work out earlier in the day and not eat until the evening or is it individual or what have you seen with that? It's just as far as the timing goes, if you're eating less meals. Yeah. So it, it depends on what you're doing during your workout. If your workout is, more cardio based, um, especially low intensity cardio, then you're not going to be burning through a lot of glycogen. Um, it's a less stressful form of exercise and your cortisol is not going to be rising. Um, so you can actually, you know, totally get away with doing one meal a day. If you're doing a lot of very light, lower intensity exercise, I find that if you're doing more anaerobic, um, glycolytic, uh, more intense weightlifting and sprint intervals and high intensity interval training and things like that, that's pretty stressful on the body. And to continue fasting after that, your stress levels, your cortisol will remain pretty high. And I think it's actually really beneficial to uh, eat, I, I would say within two hours, two, two to three hours after that workout to really bring those stress levels back down. Um, I've, I've tried it the other way, you know, where you work out super intense and you just fast throughout the day. You can do that maybe once a week, but eventually you will start to get some of the chronic stress issues that come with working out fasted, going really intense, and then eating one meal a day. Um, I find that that's not optimal unless you're doing your workout right before your one meal. So I think that's the only situation in which this might work is if you're going to eat one meal a day and you are just gung-ho about that and there's no way around it for you, then I would say try to do your workout before that meal. Um, that way you can go through the day, you know, not hyper-stressed, not, you know, uh, having this whole hormonal cascade of stress hormones. Um, and I think that would just make things a little bit easier on you. I think that's an excellent point because so many people think, you know, the harder you work out, the better and also the shorter your eating window, the better. And not realizing that coupling those two together is just really too much of a stress on your body. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. I was just going to say, um, it really does depend on what you're doing. There are some people that occasionally have to 
sleep deprived for their work. That's that's something that I've had to do before just to get certain things done on time. And I think people that are sleep depriving, for example, aren't great candidates for longer extended periods of fasting. I think you could still do probably a 16-8 if you're sleep deprived. But um, you know, if, if you're going through any sort of chronic stress, your body can only take so many stressors at a time. So I've done things where I was I was sleeping about four to five hours a night, and then I'm training super hard, and then I'm eating one meal a day, and the one meal that I'm eating is super low calorie, and it's high protein, and it's just you're combining so many different stressors, and eventually it's going to affect your hormones. It'll lead to uh, you know fat, especially around the waist and in your face and lower back and things like that. So when you stress yourself out too much, you're you're really working against your goals. You're pushing the gas too hard. And it's really important to occasionally take your foot off the pedal and relax a little bit. Make sure you're sleeping enough. Um, you want to make sure that you're eating enough, that you're getting enough nutrients in. And if you're training too hard, like take a day off um, or you know just stick with some low intensity walking. Go for a walk, go for a hike, go for a bike ride. Um, but yeah, so sometimes when we create these plans for ourselves and we're like, okay, so here's my goal, lose this amount of weight. So I'm going to eat one meal a day. I'm going to work out super hard. I'm going to do all these different things. And you stick to it and you just say, of course, I'm feeling bad. Like I'm supposed to feel bad. Just deal with it, tough it out. But you don't want to tough it out. You want to listen to your body and see what's going on here. So um, that's it's easier said than done, but I think it's something that people need to take into consideration. Yep. Amen. Everything you just said is so wonderful. Um, it reminds me of, I recently got a review on my book and we talked about this on the podcast before, but it was something to the effect of the the reader said what she took away from it was that once you realize that you, that you can do things like intermittent fasting and have these healthy food choices, once you realize that that's what's working for you, then you have your whole life really to work on it. So it's not like you have to you know, do all the things all at once and kill yourself, (laughs) you know, like you can embrace, Oh, I have these choices and now I get, I get to experiment with, with them and I get to see how I improve. And it can be just like a slow, steady upward spiral spiral rather than going crazy. So do you find when people do the carnivore diet combined with the exercise and everything like that, that they are able to adequately fuel like higher intensity type stuff? Like how does that work with um, like glycogen stores and things like that? We, we literally just got a question about that came in about glycogen stores and it made me think about that because um, we didn't really address that aspect. So I would definitely refer them to uh, some of Dr. Ted Naiman's work. Um, he has a great website, burnfatnotsugar.com and he has a fantastic Twitter. He's always putting out information. But essentially you are fueling your uh, glycolytic, your glycogen-intensive exercise through gluconeogenesis. So it's important to actually be consuming higher protein if you're using that sort of approach. Um, And now there's a lot of information coming out about how people used to be concerned that gluconeogenesis would knock them out of ketosis and higher protein is, you know, antithetical to being in ketosis. But it really isn't. Um, You know, ketosis ultimately is depleted liver glycogen. So it's um, when your hepatic glycogen is low and that can be done through fasting, that can be done through exercise, that can be done through eating too few calories. 
Um, there's a number of ways to do that. Uh, protein and the gluconeogenesis that occurs when you consume higher amounts of protein um, will go towards fueling your muscle glycogen. And the other thing is if you're in exercising very intensely and you're not consuming higher protein, then a lot of that gluconeogenesis will actually be taken from uh, muscular tissue. So that's something you don't want. You don't want that skeletal muscle uh, to begin atrophying because you're not consuming enough protein. So I find that it is actually important if you are doing that really intense exercise to be getting enough protein. One uh, quick anecdote that I'll include is in the 70s, which is known as the golden era of bodybuilding, the bodybuilders didn't, uh, they weren't taking huge amounts of steroids. They barely knew about it back then. They all had very slim waists. They had, you know, big chests and shoulders and upper bodies, but they looked a lot more like these Greek statues. And what they were eating was basically a high protein, low carb diet with moderate to high amounts of fat. They didn't didn't do any cardio. They would weight train every day, and they were eating things like meat, eggs, uh, cottage cheese, fish, um, and they had very little amounts of carbohydrates. They didn't eat many vegetables. They might have about like one side salad a day, um, and occasionally they might have like a potato at night. Um, and I, I'm actually I'm relaying this information from talking to some of these guys. Um, but that's pretty much how they ate in the seventies. That's what Arnold Schwarzenegger was eating. And that's what all the bodybuilders, uh, of that era were eating and they developed these very aesthetic physiques and they were working out very hard every day. Um, so, I mean, this sort of approach absolutely works, but they were eating high protein and that's how they were getting their muscle glycogen and their fuel from doing higher protein and also very high fat. Yeah, no, that's great to hear. So it sounds like you're not, you don't really count the the macros. I'm guessing as far as the protein and the and the fat goes, or do you count them, or do you just say go go with whole foods mostly, like with the, the carnivore foods? Exactly. Yeah. So I let my body determine how much I want to eat, but all I'm focused on is quality. So um, you know, I I just make sure that when I'm eating my one or two meals a day. I, I'm eating the highest quality foods possible. I'm trying to do more protein, more nutrients, more vitamins, um, and I'm trying to cut back on excess calories, excess fat, and carbs. So it's really just eating as much as I want of these very satiating, nutrient-dense foods, and that's all I'm focused on. I, I don't count anything. I don't track calories. Um, I couldn't tell you how many calories I eat in a day. Some days I, I might eat as little as Fourteen, fifteen hundred calories. Some days I might eat over three thousand. I, I have no clue. Um, it really depends on the amount of activity I'm doing, if my body's stressed out, um, what I've been up to lately. So it's it's reliant on a number of different factors. But when you think about it, that's how humans should be eating. Humans should be eating based on you know how does your body feel. Okay, my body feels like it wants to eat right now. So let me eat the healthiest things that I can eat and actually nourish my body instead of, oh, I have 300 calories left today. Let me now eat, you know, this bag of chips that hopefully satiates me. It's, it's just completely ludicrous to me um, to try to outsmart your body. So I think just work with your body and let it do what it does best. Give it the optimal conditions to be lean, to thrive, to survive. And uh, it, it'll thank you. And it'll serve you a lot better as you do other things in life. That is fabulous advice because I was hoping you weren't going to say, yes, I count my macros and my calories and restrict them. So, but you, you, no, you, not at all. you, what you said is exactly the approach that Melanie and I 
promote, and that is listening to your body. Every day is not the same. Some days you'll eat more, some days you'll eat less, and you listen to your body. So that was awesome to hear. Yeah, I was going to say, every time you you talk, I feel like I'm talking to myself, <laughs> like or, or that I'm listening to myself. Everything you're saying is basically how I feel about everything. I wish we could, I wish we didn't even know about calories because they just, they just really, or even macros even. Like, I just think we should just eat eat real food. And like with the whole keto movement, I recently wrote a really epically long blog post about keto. And I was really like pondering the different manifestations that it, that it has gone through. And like, I just have so many thoughts about it, but I feel like almost quote the, one of the more detrimental ways that it has manifested is with people being super focused on like fat, for example. And so they're, they're like, they're slathering everything in these fat and like in fat and everything is fat, fat, fat and making these fat bombs and all of you think all these things when I think really we should just be focusing on eating real food. And then, and then people will say, Oh, ketogenic diets are detrimental for you. Like we're not meant to be like that. But if you think about it, you can eat whole foods that we would have eaten historically, like meat, um, low glycemic fruit, like very, you know, low sugar fruits even, but like meat, vegetables, things like that and be ketogenic. And we were living like that for, you know, hunter gatherers doing that quite a lot and it served our bodies. So I don't think it's um, detrimental (laughs) automatically. Um, So we were fine with it before. For listeners who have never been on like a set or anything like that, um, I know a lot of people think that it looks really easy like acting. I mean, it seems like it would be like, you know, you show up, you do your lines, everybody is, you know, doing your makeup and treating you like royalty, like how hard can it be? But what people don't realize is set days are are long. They're very, very long. (laughs) Um, They're very intense. You're, you know, getting your lines last minute, you're having to memorize, learn, do all the things. I mean, it's draining. And then on top of that, I can't even imagine the physical side of things when you have a role like you have, where you have all of the training and all of the the physical performance as well. I can't even imagine how intense that must be. So do you want to give listeners just a little a little peek into your life, like what what it's like on set life and also how you pair that with your dietary choices and your fasting? Yeah. So that's a completely different lifestyle. It's it's really uh crazy, but to, to sort of give people a run through of what a day looks like, here is a typical day of filming Power Rangers. So you get uh, picked up, let's say you get picked up around 6 a.m. Um, so for me, I like to train before I get to set or else it's just not going to happen at any point during the day. I'm, I'm going to get exhausted. I'll forget about it. So I'll get up at, at you know 3.30 or 4 and, and I'll go to the gym. I'll do my training. And usually when I come back, you know, you get ready, you head to set. And then when you're on set, uh, you know, makeup, uh, wardrobe, they have, you know, catering, they they have all these amazing food options at the craft table, um, which all look delicious. And, you know, you're, you're on set. I think our, usually we're on set at about 7am and 7am. I mean, you're just working up until lunch. You never really have a break. So Anytime you think you have a break and you're in your trailer and you're chilling, they could call you out at any time and be like, oh, we got to shoot this pickup shot or uh, we need we need you to do a fitting real quick. Uh, so can you go to costume? We need 
to do a makeup thing. So it's like you, you never actually have any time to yourself. You have to be completely on the entire day. And the other thing is everybody is paying attention to you. So if your energy is down or if you're sort of moody or whatever it happens to be, that affects the uh, the mood of the crew, you know? So, and then this is where you hear stories about actors being complete jerks and hard to work with, um, probably because they dropped the ball with that. But it, it's pretty tough to do the job well. So you're you're doing all of those things. And then for me, with the diet side of things, I really found that I just stick to eating at lunch and then I go home and I make my own dinner and I eat that. Because if, if I start to nibble on some sort of craft food or, you know, if I'm having breakfast and things like that, things can easily get out of hand for me pretty quickly. Uh, I've, I've got like a horse's appetite and I can just go hard. So, and I still have to fit in that dang spandex thing. So um, <laughs> I, I definitely try to rein it in with that stuff. So, I mean, okay, yeah, so you have lunch and then you just keep working throughout the day. We'll wrap sometimes at about 6 p.m. Um, I've, I've gotten home some nights at 8 8 p.m. Um, I've never gotten home at 9 p.m., so at least 8 p.m. And then you go home, eat your food, um, look at your lines for the next day, make sure you're prepared, and then you get it up, get up the next day and do it all over again. It's very routine. It's very repetitive. Uh, it's a lot less glamorous than people might expect. Um, but, you know, if it's something you love doing and you're passionate about, I think it's definitely worthwhile. One of the things I found so refreshing about intermittent fasting with set life was <laughs> dealing, like you said, with crafty, with the, the craft services, which is all the food, because there's a lot of food <laughs> on sets. Um, and oftentimes it's very glamorous. Like it's like amazing food and there's snacks everywhere and it's, it can be quite tempting. And like you said, I'm the same way. Once I start munching, I, I'm munching. Once I'm eating, I'm eating. And so for me, intermittent fasting works so well in a set life type situation because you're just, it's just like all or none. So you're just, you just don't, you just don't go there <laughs> and you're like good to go and you're not hungry. And then when you do eat, you can eat all that, all that you want. And then, um, actually one of the reasons I wrote my book originally, cause I originally self-published it was because I'd be on set and not eat. People would start asking me questions why aren't you eating? You know, cause it seems like very strange. And I wanted to have just a resource that I could just give to people and be like, here's all the science. So that's actually why I originally, um, wrote my book. But so how do you, how do you deal with, do you find that like when you first started doing fasting, I don't know like the time, how the timeline worked out with your acting career, but did you find that people did find it kind of strange or do, how do people react to you on set? Um, regarding your food choices and your fasting and everything? Yeah, I, I think some people would find it strange. Um, I think the natural inclination of most people is to be concerned about your well-being because you're doing something outside of the norm. Uh, you're doing something that nobody else is doing. So naturally, everyone wants to make sure you're okay. And do you know what you're doing? Are you sure this is safe? Uh, this doesn't sound like a good idea. You need a good breakfast. So, so people, I think, out of concern and love and care, will uh, try to check up on you. Um, and then there are some people that you know don't really care about any of those things and just kind of want to mess with you. There, there are definitely those people as well who who could care less why you're doing it. They'll just make fun of you for not eating and they'll eat in front of you. Um, 
but ultimately if if you know what you're doing and you have a clear purpose behind it and you you know what your goals are and you're just confident behind what you're doing it doesn't really matter what anybody says you could you could have everybody on set thinking it's funny but then when you get in front of the camera and you're ripped or whatever or you know you finally have your uh, your shirtless scene and you're super prepared it's like well it doesn't really matter what anybody said like i've done what i needed to do so um i i have dealt with that sometimes um you know people questioning my choices about certain things but yeah as long as i know what i'm doing and i'm confident in that um then yeah it doesn't really matter what people say so do you find that there's always this idea that all hollywood people are always on diets or doing crazy diets what do you find is the real the real story about hollywood and diets is everybody on a diet is nobody on a diet (laughs) what do you find from the people I know, I think most Hollywood actors that I know are doing some form of what they think is clean eating. So they're nibbling on quinoa and kale and probably legumes and you know chicken breast and things like that. So uh, I, I don't think a lot of them take the time to delve into nutrition and the science behind it. So they'll probably usually hire a trainer or a nutritionist that's going to put them on um, you know, sort of like a clean eating protocol. Most of them eat quite a few meals throughout the day, like five meals a day because they're, they're so hungry the whole time and they're calorically deprived. Um, so they, they eat quite a few meals a day and they're trying to keep their metabolism up and they do some form of clean eating. I do find that, yeah, most, most actors that I know are on some sort of diet. Um, and if they're not on a diet, then they definitely get on one before an event, like a red carpet event or a premiere. Um, but yeah, some some actors, you know, they're not that concerned about it, and they they definitely let loose when they're not working. Um, for me, I, I always just like like to stay prepared. Um, you, you never really know what you have to do and when, so I like to stay in the best shape I can, um, and I, I pretty much stay on this sort of thing year round. But yeah, Hollywood's full of a lot of very weird people um, that do just about every diet out there. So um, yeah, everybody's trying something. Well, I have to say that makes me really sad because I was hoping you would say, oh yeah, everyone out here is starting to do intermittent fasting. (laughs) That's what I was hoping to hear. Have you been able to spread it around um, your set or your, your coworkers, the other actors, the people that work with you? Have any of them started doing intermittent fasting? I have gotten a few uh, cast members to do it with me, um, intermittent fasting in particular. But um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where people hop on a bandwagon and then they hop off. So uh, I mean, that's that's kind of one of the reasons that I'm also trying to spread these resources and this information is because this stuff it's it really makes life easier for people. Like it, it honestly is a game changer. It really changes the whole weight loss game, the energy game. Oh yeah. Um, you know, you go from starving yourself and eating, you know, kind of gross plain foods to eating delicious foods and not starving yourself and having a ton of energy. Um, and then a whole bunch of other health benefits. So this information absolutely has to get out there. Yeah. And it's, it's something you don't go off of. You know, you talked about people going on this diet and then going off of it or getting back on a diet for a roll. But with intermittent fasting, you don't go off of it. Like, I'll never stop. I'm, it's, it's forever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like you don't have to worry about, oh, I have to go on a diet to prep for that premiere because you're always, not, you're always on not a diet, but you're always on a lifestyle. 
that works for you and supports everything. And so do you have any like hacks or routines or strategies that you can share with listeners that you find support your diet, support your lifestyle? I know you said you like to talk about things that optimize productivity, which is like the story of my life. (laughs) I'm like a productivity, like fan, probably to my detriment. Um, do you have any, yeah, like any hacks or strategies or things you'd like to share with listeners? Yeah. So if I'm thinking about the highest value ones, I would say the one practice that completely changed my life in a very short amount of time would be goal setting and goal setting to many people seems simple enough, but there are better ways to do it and there are worse ways to do it. But basically three years ago, um, I didn't really have any of this. I, I was still in college and I was doing the economics thing and I was broke and unhealthy and I was unhappy. I didn't like where my life was going. And now three years later, um, you know, I've, I've been able to star on that TV show. I've been able to um, really promote it and spread the word um, and meet so many young kids and do conventions. And I've, I've done public speaking at different universities. And, um, you know, like now I have this online uh, health and fitness business going. So, so many things are going on, but none of this was by accident. It was all very, very intentional. And that's the most important thing that I try to promote to people is to be intentional about their lives. Because if you don't have a destination, if you don't know, you know, what you want for your life and where you're headed, you'll probably end up somewhere that you don't want to be. Um, you know, life can always get better. So choose where you want to be in life and then start working towards that. So the way I always approach that is what I would would do is I, I have sort of like an overarching life mission and these life goals that I want for myself. And then I would break it down to what are my yearly goals? What do I want to get done this year? And then what can I do towards that this month? What can I do this week? And then I, I break it all the way down to like, what can I do today? And then I will take those daily goals and I'll just schedule them into my day. I'll make sure they get done. You know, you, you check them off when you're done. But what you're really doing is every single day you're writing your story. You are crafting the life of your dreams. And there's no limit to how big you can go with that um, or how much impact you can have with that. So uh, one of my favorite quotes is that ideas are easy, but execution is everything. I think so many people have million-dollar ideas or ideas that could – change planet earth that could absolutely solve so many of our major problems, um, that could make people's lives immensely happier that could make their own lives a lot happier and more productive. Um, people have all these ideas, but they don't execute on them because they feel lost and they don't have a structure. They don't have any routine. So I think it's really important to find a daily goal setting structure and a daily routine and to stick to those as much as you can. Yeah, you you fall off every now and then, and and things don't always work out perfectly. But if you can get you know uh, a, a nice string of winning days where you where you, where you stick to it, um, you can really start to generate some momentum and progress for yourself. I'm a huge fan of daily routines. Um, most of my days are pretty similar to one another, um, and I'm also a huge fan of planning out my work, thinking about what I want to do, and just chunking things down all the way and then working on it. So, um, that, that would actually be a fun thing to write a book about. <laughs> uh, I might have to write that down. Um, but 
that that's probably my biggest message to people. Whatever you want to do with your life, don't just let it be a dream. Don't just let it be something floating around in your head. Write it down, create a game plan, and then start working on it because it's very possible. It's very, very possible. I, I've done things in three years that I thought I would never have done in my entire life. Like the life that I'm living now, um, I'm so happy. I'm so, so happy with it. And it's completely because of goal setting. So I'll get off my soapbox now. And, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much my hack. Oh, I think that's fabulous, fabulous advice. We could have a whole nother episode just on that, <laughs> just on like the mindset and the goals and everything. And like, especially that's so motivating about the three years. And it reminds me of, well, first of all, I'm thinking about where I was three years ago and I, I didn't have the podcast. I didn't have the book. I didn't have like, it's amazing what you can do in three years. And it reminds me of, there's like a quote, most people overestimate what they can do in one year, but underestimate what they can do in three years. And I think that's kind of like paints a good picture because I think we put so much pressure to get so much done now. And then we get overwhelmed and we just end up not doing it. Where if we do like what you said, where we break it down, we make it something implementable. We have the the overall goal, but then we make it into something we can actually do step by step. You just ha- If you just keep chugging away, like it will happen. And you are a wonderful example of that working. So that's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also speaking about routines, something else for listeners, our brains love routines. They love habits. That's why habits can be super amazing for life and super productive, or they can be really destructive because once we get into any sort of habit or any sort of routine, our brain just wants to keep doing it. But what what's in our favor is our, our actual brain doesn't really care what the routine is. It just likes the routine and it likes the habit and it's going to release dopamine regardless of what it is. So all we have to do is create new routines and habits that lead to productivity, that lead to our goals and our brains will follow suit and release dopamine, make us feel good. Um, so it's completely doable. You just have to make those new routines and habits that serve us rather than take us down. It's, it's a long conversation. Like, honestly, yeah, we could talk about this for hours, but I think what you're saying is completely true that creating a daily structure is the antidote to, uh, confusion and chaos and to hopelessness and despair and, I, I don't want to go so far as to say depression, but I think um, it can absolutely help with just moving you along. Um, I, I really subscribe to the philosophy of like 1% better every day. And the thing is, um, it's a compound effect. It's like compound interest. If you do things every day and you have these habits and routines and you have your daily goals that you're executing on every day, um, those things don't just add up over time but they actually compound over time so that your results at the end of 365 days are not just those days combined, but it's, it's really an exponential effect. And all of a sudden at the end of that year or at the end of, you know, 10 years where you ended up, you could never have dreamed that you would have ended up there, but it was simply by taking consistent daily action. Um, so that's, that's something that you can, you can apply to absolutely anything in life. And you know, I'm, I'm still pretty young, but I'm, I'm starting to realize that, um, this applies to pretty much everything. I'm using this, this sort of mentality with my relationship, with my health, with my fitness, with my career, um, with my self-education, all of these different aspects, you have to be working on them 
every day. You have to have goals that you're moving towards and it's a juggling act. And there are certain balls that you can't drop. Um, you can't drop your family. You can't drop your relationships. You can't drop your health, but you're constantly juggling everything and you're trying to do the best you can. And when you mess up, then you just pick it back up and you keep trying. And I think, um, the guiding force throughout that is just having a mission in life. It's having goals, having a purpose. And that is what's going to guide you through that storm. If you have a mission and if you, if you have these goals that you're excited about and they get you out of bed every morning, um, that's going to take you through a lot of difficulty and confusion and hard decisions in life. Yeah. Absolutely. And also that they will change over time and evolve and you'll look back and realize you are where you never imagined you could be as the new goals and the new dreams fall into place. This is the 49-year-old talking. (laughs) (laughs) We have all the perspectives. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, William, do you have any like other specific things that you do every single day that that you found really benefit your goals and your strategies? Like, I don't know, do you do like um, meditation or gratitude journals or do you read every day? Do you listen to something every day? Are there any other specific things that you can recommend to people? Hmm. Okay, yeah, so specifics. So I make sure that I get about seven to eight hours of sleep a night. That's a new one for me. I I, I went through my whole life sleep deprived. So um, that's been a huge one lately. Seven to eight hours of sleep a night. I usually get up right now at around 6 a.m. I drink my coffee and I will read at least 10 pages. So currently what I'm reading is a book called Measure What Matters. And before that, I was reading Deep Nutrition by Dr. Kate Shanahan. Um, So I like to read nonfiction at least 10 pages every morning um, while I'm drinking my coffee. And then the coffee's kicking in. Coffee. I'm going to stop you for a second. <laughs> How do you feel about bulletproof coffee? Do you do do you do add anything to your coffee, or do you go straight up black? I, I love Dave Asprey, but yeah, I'm I'm into the black coffee. I just <laughs> yeah, me would, too, me too. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd prefer to be burning my own body fat. So that's that's just my take on that. <laughs> that's what we think too. Yeah. Now you've got Jen as your fan. <laughs> yeah. The way to Jen's heart is black coffee. <laughs> there you go. It's, it's so good. It's a bit of an acquired taste, um, but it's very, very good. So yeah, I'll drink my coffee while I'm reading. I go to the gym in the morning. I don't like to do it later in the day or else it just doesn't happen. So I go to the gym. Um, I do about 45 minutes of zone two cardio, uh, and zone two is simply keeping your heart rate 180 minus your age. And then that's your target heart rate zone. And it keeps you mainly in a fat burning state. So you're not going too intense. After that, I go into uh, my weight training. I do about 30 minutes a day of lifting. Um, I'm not super structured with that. I pretty much think, um, what do I feel like working today? What do I want to work on? And then I'll just go intense and then I'll get out of there. Um, After that, go home, shower, get ready for the day. And then I will try to get out and just start working. So um, I'll work probably up until about eight o'clock at night. And then I, I call that a day. Um, I think, I think it's important to also fast from work as well. Uh, if, if you're just working all day, every day, um, your work is going to become less focused and less valuable. So I try to make sure to really stop working after about 8 PM. Um, and then that's when I make dinner and sort of wrap things up, spend time with my girlfriend. Um, but that's, that's pretty much what a typical day looks like for me. 
Yeah, there's so many different things I try and there's so many different things I want to recommend to people. But yeah, specifics, that's kind of what a day looks like for me. Story of my life. I'm always trying like all the things. <laughs> and like every episode, I'm like it's like the new thing I've tried, but I do find the things that really work tend to stick. And um so yeah, I find that the things that really really work for my life tend to stick and then I can definitely recommend them to people. But yeah, so well this has been absolutely amazing. Um, is there anything else you want to get out there to listeners or any other topics you want to discuss or anything? I mean, we could probably talk for like hours, but (laughs) is there anything you want to make sure is heard? Oh man. Um, I I tend to ramble so much that I wrote down a list of things. Um, and now that I'm looking at it, I'm saying, ah, forget the list. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, but, um, I, I think we've touched on a lot of really interesting things. I really hope that the information was was practical and useful and specific enough. Um, but yeah, so if I could just part with a few things then um, to really get through to listeners out there that might feel like they're lost in a sea of information and every different expert has something different to say. Here is what I can say we know, or here's at least what I know at this point. Um, you don't want to be eating all day, every day. So eat fewer meals. I think one to two meals a day is fantastic. Um, when you're eating, eat until your body tells you to stop eating. Um, so pay attention to your satiety signals. Now your body will more intelligently tell you when to stop eating if you eat healthier foods. So eat the healthiest, most nutrient dense foods out there. If I had to simplify the list, I think that that would be meat, eggs, fish, um, certain forms of dairy, that would be low sugar fruit, that would be uh, non-glycemic vegetables. So, you know, not going too much into starches and things like that. So keep your nutrient to calorie ratio uh, optimized. So just eat the healthiest foods you can possibly eat. Um, Yes, I I can say those things. And then also I think your body wants some form of physical activity every day. So uh, different anthropological findings have shown that humans probably walked for about 90 minutes a day. So if you can get in uh, some low-intensity cardio, so some walking, biking, hiking, swimming, things like that, get in. If you can, try to get in about 45 to 60 minutes a day, Um, and that has a number of uh, great health benefits So that nice low intensity activity, that's not going to stress your body out. And then it's also fantastic for aging and for your health in general to do some resistance training throughout the week. Um, You don't have to do weight training if you don't want to. You can do boxing. You can do yoga. You could do something that just strains your muscles and provides some resistance to your body. Um, So, yeah, I I would say that those are the main things I want to say. Um, Eat fewer meals. Eat to satiety the healthiest, most nutrient-dense foods, do some form of physical activity every day, try to sleep seven to eight hours a night. It is super important. Um, and set goals. And I, I would say that's that's pretty much, yeah, that's, that's the best advice I could give. Yeah, I think that is, it's wonderful that the age of 23, you're already at this this point because, I mean, here I am at the exact same point with what you said. Those, those are the goals. That's That really is, I think, it. And it reminds me, I wanted to bring this up. Um, have you read the study? We talked about this before on the podcast, but they did a study where they looked at appetite and weight loss 
not based on calorie counting or anything, but just based on nutrient-rich foods. It was more of a recent study. Have you seen that one, William? I may have. If it was about ad libitum caloric intake, then I have seen. Yeah, that. it was like they they um they had like one group um eat quote nutrient rich foods and the other group not, but they weren't um restricting calories or anything like that. And they found that the people who ate the nutrient rich food it reduced their appetite levels like significantly, which really speaks to everything <laughs> that you just said. Well, I think the point is that our bodies don't count calories. Our bodies count nutrients in a way. So our bodies reach satiety because they know they've been fueled with proper nutrients. And then they're like, all right, I'm good. Versus if you're just eating, you know, junk food, processed food, your body's like, yeah, that wasn't food. And then your drive to eat continues. I think that's what we can take away from that. Yeah. You you honestly, you just can't outsmart your body. If, if you cut calories for a while, the reason everybody rebounds is because finally your body says, okay, if you're going to cut calories, well, I'm going to slow down your thyroid. I'm going to affect your hormones and I'm going to cause you to either maintain your body fat or you're going to have this insane appetite and you're just going to start eating like crazy and you'll gain all of the weight back and more. It's a survival mechanism. So don't try to use quick fixes to try to outsmart your body. Give it exactly what it's expecting. And it it expects certain things. It wants these really nutrient-dense, healthy foods so that it can function optimally. It wants physical activity. It wants sleep. It wants sunshine. Um, So if if you can give it all of those things – it will work in your favor and you will <laughs> you will feel so much better. You'll feel full. You'll feel satisfied. You'll have great athletic performance. You'll be lean and ripped and all these different things if you just give your body what it needs. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's something that we all agree on. And hopefully that's practical and a- a- actionable enough that people can walk away um, with some things to do from that. No, I think that's absolutely wonderful. And then, so you released the carnivore shredding ebook. And so listeners definitely check that out. You can get that at the carnivore shredding program.com. So we cannot recommend enough that you check that out and we'll put links to all of that in the show notes. So also for listeners, if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 81, we'll put links to any studies we talked about. We'll put links to all of William's all of his work, um, that that ebook that's available, and just all of the things. And how else can listeners follow your work or learn more about you, William? I'm probably most active on Instagram. So if they follow at William Schufelt, S-H-E-W-F-E-L-T, um, that's where I do a lot of posting every single day. And I'll talk about uh, training and what I eat and you know, kind of what I'm up to. And I'm also doing uh, some YouTube content. So if you go to youtube.com slash Will Schufelt, I do a lot of day in the life vlogs and full day of eating and things like that. Um, so that's, yeah, that's probably the best way to find me. Oh, wait, I wanted to ask you um, one more thing, William, to, to end everything. Oh, wait, I have two questions I want to ask. Uh, okay, I'm going to ask you both. Um, so <laughs> first of all, uh, what is it right now? What's your dream role, job? passion project in your whole life? Like what would be your hugest goal that you would like to accomplish just right now? Obviously it could change. I've, I've done a lot of thinking about that. And what it is, is I would want to detail the hero's journey, but maintaining character throughout. So what that means is 
I've seen a lot of people in life become great, achieve great things, but a lot of the time they have an Achilles heel. They have, um, you know, they have some sort of a downfall. There's some flaw in their character, and that's a, that's eventually what gets them in the end. And I think that character is such an important thing. You know, it's it's great to be ambitious and to achieve things, and you know, to do all that. But if you're screwing people over, or you know, if you have really bad character, or if you have the wrong motives. Um, you know, that, that can just lead to so many issues. So I would love to do a movie where it's just like a sword and sandal epic that, you know, is like the hero's journey. And there are, there are all of these different, um, all all of these different issues that confront this person, but they're able to make the difficult decisions and do the right thing. And eventually it pays off in the long run. Um, (laughs) so it's, it's super vague, but it's in my head there somewhere and um that's that's kind of what i would like to do that would be my dream role well i cannot wait to see that movie i'm sure it'll happen for sure and then uh my my other question was if you could just give listeners one piece of advice in one sentence (laughs) from everything what would it be a key takeaway oh man (laughs) okay one piece of advice in one sentence from what you've learned and obviously it could change. Okay. Um, sit down and ask yourself, what does my dream life look like? And then write it down. And and that's, that's, that's my advice right there. Write it down. Um, and, and if you can take steps on it after that, that would be amazing. But I would say that's the best advice right there. Great advice. I love it. And I'm going to go write it down right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few other quick things for listeners before we go. So like I said, ifpodcast.com slash episode 81. That's where we will have all the show notes. You can also go to ifpodcast.com. You can subscribe to our email list, and then you'll get all the information about the podcast every week. And iTunes, you can subscribe, and then you'll get the podcast downloaded automatically every week. Books-wise, you can check out William's book, The Carnivore Shredding ebook. You can check out my book, What When Wine. And then you can check out Jen's book, She Has Delay, Don't Deny, and Feast Without Fear. You can follow William on Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram. We are IF Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. We are the IF Pod. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been a delightful interview. I think everybody has just learned so much. And I think you really, you're doing wonderful things, William. So keep it going. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.